Hello, my darling, and welcome to today's story time. Today we return to Dylan Altoff's Blood Brothers, Chapter 2. He has been kind enough to grant us uh, however much we want to read of the book, so stay tuned for many more episodes. And now, on with our story time. Hearing the grunt from Arthur's strike, Kratos whirled himself around, not even asking what was happening. Kratos immediately bent down and leaped forward, his werewolf voice striking the air with its bellowing ferocity. Kratos soared through the air with his hands instantly morphing into his black fur, bulging and razor-sharp werewolf claws. The claws met the invisible surface Arthur had punched, and Kratos tackled the figure to the ground, savaging the transparent assailant relentlessly. The two other werewolves behind Arthur tried to react themselves to help Kratos, however. They then found themselves suddenly struck upon. Arthur turned around and saw one man gripping his companion's neck intensely. He was growling deeply and struggling as his face went red. The other werewolf was struck to the floor. Arthur saw his legs raise upwards as though someone had kicked them out from under him. The werewolf roared with surprise in a snarling, grizzled howl as he landed on the ground. Arthur then assumed whoever had tripped him must have leaped on his body as their head began shooting from side to side on the floor like they were being repeatedly punched. Arthur turned to try to help, but he suddenly felt something wrap around the middle of his body entirely. His arms were trapped by his sides, and he was then lifted off the ground. And this invisible attacker felt like a boa constrictor snake as Arthur grimaced in pain as they tensed their large arms, squeezing him harder and tighter with every passing second. Arthur began to feel the wind being choked out of him. He knew if he endured another minute of this, he thought he would be snapped in half like a dry twig. Arthur could no longer breathe in. He was beginning to feel woozy as his vision blurred. His arms now felt completely numb from the lack of circulation, similar to the lower half of his body. Realizing that his attacker had formed a complete tourniquet in the middle of his being, darkness began to cloud Arthur's mind. He would pass out before being killed. He couldn't even muster a growl or a pained wheeze. Arthur looked out his eyes and barely even perceived colors anymore. He thought he was dead. Little help, Arthur groaned inside his head, only for the beast to immediately snap back in response. My turn, growled the voice of the beast in Arthur's mind. Arthur's body rapidly convulsed within the confines of his attacker's embrace. His eyes widened out. Red fur sprouted from his face rapidly as his entire being began to expand in muscle mass like a balloon being inflated. The assailant could be heard grunting with strain from the new amount of resistance. Arthur was now bursting with renewed vigor from his transformation alone. Before his body could complete its changes, Arthur threw his head backwards, slamming the back of his skull sharply into the invisible face of his attacker. The being swore in shock and pain as his arms released Arthur 
and fell to the floor, only to rapidly roll forward. He spun his body quickly around and crouched with his arms spread outward, hands slowly forming into claws as his animalistic growling sounded as deep as the world's utmost obsidian chasm. His arms, legs, and chest were twice their previous mass, bulging and throbbing with muscle and fury. The surface of Arthur's skin that was visible was now a light crimson tint as a signature red fur of a crimson emerged from his flesh like a rising sun. Arthur looked dead ahead and roared with blind, bestial hatred. He saw his head attack had somehow damaged whatever this figure was. The previous shimmer that gave away their physical body, if only you caught it, the slightest angle, was now much more greatly apparent. It seemed as though, despite that the being was still camouflaged in their terrain, their body was now more physically perceivable. Arthur was able to grasp their entire body shape, and he waited no time for that being to react and began his assault. Just like Kratos had done before, Arthur lunged forward at the figure. Both his claws extended to rip his opponent apart like warm butter with his carnivorous bloodlust. However, despite being taken by surprise by Arthur's attack, the attacker could be seen moving into a defensive position, readying themselves for Arthur's charge. Arthur saw this and ran with his feet barely touching the ground as he dashed. Because he was wearing werewolf-quality clothing, his black trousers and shirt were able to expand with his body as his limbs exploded in their size, so none of his clothes were torn as he changed. Arthur saw his hands come close to the being as he approached him. He lifted them high into the air to slash down at the person, intending to cut them to ribbons. The being seemed to remain stoic and unmoving, even as Arthur came within striking distance. Arthur slightly wondered if the assailant was frozen in fear. That assumption, much to Arthur's dismay, was completely inaccurate. Without missing a beat, the attacker's hand shot upward and clasped tightly onto Arthur's wrists, halting their attack in the air dead still. Arthur roared with surprise and rage at his attacker and attempted to pull his arms back, hoping to rip them off with his hurl. But Arthur's entire heave didn't even bulge the being's arms by an inch. This person was able to keep Arthur's arms held still, leaving his claws functionally useless now. Arthur tensed his arms. They grew larger and larger, his bicep muscles nearly reaching toward the mass and height of his head, as every vein in his body pushed themselves to the surface of his skin. His rage began to cloud his vision, to the point that Arthur was almost seeing the world through blood like haze of pure wrath. Arthur paused his heavy breathing for a moment, as he could swear he saw the shoulders of his attacker jut up and down ever so slightly. It almost looked to Arthur like the attacker was chuckling at him. He paused for a moment. He breathed in deeply. It seemed that all the noise of the attack faded from his ears. 
Kratos and the other werewolves no longer existed in Arthur's mind. There was complete silence. His pupils faded back into existence as Arthur looked dead on at his attacker. Then he smirked as his eyes looked from his left to his right wrist. His claws were held in place, and he couldn't move them an inch, which this person found funny. Arthur nodded slightly. He then sharply and suddenly, without warning, crouched down as far as he was able to. He tensed both his arms into unbendable slabs of steel. Holding them as firmly rigid as he could, Arthur hurled his body upward in one massive heave with every fiber of leg muscle he had, and he then leaned back as far as he could without falling over, launching his attacker into the air as he held on to Arthur. As the attacker reached a sizable height in the air, yelping with surprise, Arthur then roared, his roar bellowing out into the entire space itself, as loud as Kratos's had been when he first attacked, if not louder. Arthur pulled down with his bowling ball-sized arms as hard as he physically could, without his arm exploding from their sockets. A sudden pull shot the being down into the earth, at a speed that lasted half a second. The assailant slammed into the earth with a deafening crash. Through the shimmer, which gave way their form in the light, Arthur saw their knees buckle and become lost in the air. So Arthur had managed to hurl their entire being into the earth. My body lay on the ground in front of Arthur now. Their hands detached from Arthur's wrists as they lay in what looked like a small crater he had created from his attack. Arthur looked at his attacker, who wasn't moving, but he didn't take any chances. He clenched his left claw, then spread his fingers out wide. Arthur reached out with his claw and clasped his entire claw around the being's head, and he was going to pop it like a grape. Before you kill me, can my last meal be spaghetti bolognese? I just love an authentic Italian tomato sauce, snarked the voice of Delphur Septis from the head of the invisible attacker. Arthur halted in place, as perplexed as he was terrified. If Arthur had been a computer, then he would have shut down to a system error at this moment. He was as still as a statue. He didn't look around, but it sounded like all the fight around him had also halted. Before he could even mutter a single syllable, Arthur immediately heard Kratos yell from his left. Delphur, you bloody idiot, Kratos thundered. His voice was somehow even louder than the roars of his werewolf lungs. However, the only response that came from the being was still happily lying on the ground. His skull, still in the palm of Arthur's claw, was a few childish giggles. We had you for a minute there. Come on, admit it. Right, guys? Delphur asked casually to the group. The other invisible figures could then be heard laughing. All except whoever Kratos had been engaging with. Which Arthur was now realizing who Kratos had knocked out unconscious. He heard footsteps walking toward him, and a human hand gently touched his shoulder. Arthur released Delphur's invisible skull. 
and he turned his head to see the smiling face of Kratos staring at him warmly. You did good, Arthur, but the fight is over. Take a few moments, okay? Kratos gently asked. Arthur saw the demeanor of his teacher and felt his pulse slowing. The thralls of battle began to slowly diminish from his mind as sanity and clarity returned to his mind's eye. Without realizing it, the beast had retreated itself from Arthur's body, returning to its tomb within his subconscious, and his body began to deflate and return to its human form. Arthur watched Kratos walk forwards and kneel where Delphar was lying face down on the earth. Arthur smirked as he recognized his mentor biting his tongue, giving an indent on his cheek. Arthur guessed he was trying to choose his words carefully and not lose his temper, or he would end up finishing when Arthur had started. After a moment of consideration, Arthur saw Kratos reach his hand out and grip Delphar by his shoulder. Kratos then effortlessly moved over and stared at where he knew Delphar's face was. Whatever Kratos' best friend was wearing, it was still in effect with his ability, because it looked like Kratos was staring down at the earth. That wasn't Del. He saw Delphar raising his left arm. Arthur watched Kratos narrow his eyes, and finally see through the camouflage shimmers, so he could make out the definition of Delphar's hand and fingers. He saw Delphar's hand morph into a thumbs up, aim straight towards him. Thanks, buddy. I think I inhaled a worm. Delphar coughed in a frail croak. Kratos, however, knew that Delphar was only pretending to be injured from Arthur's attack, and that he was perfectly fine. Arthur smirked as Kratos only raised a stern eyebrow at Delphar, his expression cold and unimpressed. Turn it off, Kratos ordered calmly, but firmly. Delphar nodded his head for a moment at Kratos, who he could tell was not playing around. Delphar moved his hand down to his other wrist, where the sound of multiple buttons could be heard being pressed. After a moment, a small electronic beep noise sounded from every one of the invisible attackers. At that moment, the invisible shimmer slowly faded away, revealing the bodies of four men dressed in entire body-length black bodysuits, complete with masks that covered their entire heads as well, all the way down to the end of their toes. Along the surface of these suits were several different gray, yellow, and white lines that ran along the torso and down the arms and legs. Zilfer, not firmly visible in his black suit, gave Kratos a friendly wave. Welcome home, buddy. Delphar cheerfully announced. Kratos rolled his eyes inside, holding out a hand and helping Delphar to his feet. Arthur had now fully recovered himself from his rage frenzy from before. He looked around. The two blonde werewolves were glaring at the others in the black bodysuits. There were four of them in total, including Delphar, one of which was still lying on the ground as he was revealed. Arthur saw he was the one Kratos had attacked at the start of the ambush. 
Rather hope the man was unconscious and not dead. Blonde werewolves ceased their glaring. Then, strangely to Arthur, they began laughing and playfully punching the other men in the morph suits. Everyone, apart from Arthur and Kratos, were laughing. Kratos shook his head, looking similar to a teacher dealing with a willful class. Arthur didn't understand why they were acting so casually about the fact they were just attacked. They were all legitimately fighting each other. And, despite taking punches in the face mere moments ago, they were now complimenting each other's technique and laughing about it. Arthur ignored the rest of them and stood next to Kratos, who was facing Delphur. The blacked-out face of the morph suit turned from Kratos and looked down squarely at Arthur. Damn, Arthur. When did you start unlocking Crimson Strength? That was a hell of an attack. The last time I had that much wind go out of me, I had eaten the entire kitchen stock of beans. Delphur exclaimed at Arthur, rubbing his stomach and feigning injury. Arthur also picked up that Delphur was exaggerating to make him laugh, which he then did in response. Guess I had to think on my feet. He chided back, which meant throwing you off yours. He smirked. Delphur laughed at that and nodded enthusiastically. Hell yes, you did. I am genuinely impressed. Tall and grim here is teaching you well. I doubt you even need training, if you caught us out like that. This technology is brand new, Delphur continued, with his fun disposition as he spoke. He was exactly as Arthur remembered him from when he first met the man at a werewolf hideout, which was just a bar. Delphur Septus was certainly a lively man, and he was not subverting that impression a little bit in Arthur's eyes. Speaking of which, Delphur, Kratos cut in seriously. There wasn't a tiny bit of a smile or smirk on his face. Despite being Delphur's best friend, Arthur grimly realized that Kratos was not amused by their encounter at all. Arthur could tell his teacher wanted to rant at Delphur, but he was currently restraining himself. Where exactly did you get this kind of technology? Kratos asked with genuine amazement. I knew the engineering boys had been working on cloak-grade attire, but this is far beyond what we've projected to have anytime soon, isn't it? Arthur suddenly realized that the reason Kratos wasn't laughing wasn't just because he was angry, but also because he couldn't help but be impressed with how Delphur managed to attack them. Arthur chuckled to himself as he realized his powerful mentor was slightly jealous of his friend in his new outfit. Delphur smirked impishly and tapped his chest before winking. Compliments of our fine, beautiful matriarch, of course, he replied proudly. Kratos rolled his eyes, but then nodded. Of course it was Siren. I had been to see her not long ago. But she hadn't mentioned she developed an advanced cloaking battle suit for us, Kratos grunted cuddingly, struggling to hide his jealousy. Delphur saw the irritation in his friend, and, as usual, decided to poke the werewolf. I guess she only saves gifts for shadow class members that are a bit higher in the hierarchy, Kratos. 
We can't allow this kind of technology to be in the hands of any old tall schlub. Kratos gritted his teeth at Delphar. He wasn't an idiot. Kratos knew he was being toyed with, but he had no immediate response to Delphar's taunts. Arthur was staring at the suit studiously. He focused his eyes and saw the texture of the material was profoundly strange. It seemed almost sponge-like on the surface. Black, with millions of tiny little holes all around the entire front, except for the lines that ran all over the outfit from front to back. They seemed to slither on the top of the material, similar to several dozen glued snakes upon the body. Arthur speculated if it was the lines that powered the suit's cloak. He wanted to ask a dozen questions about how it worked. He remembered when he was in the laboratory of Siren, and he didn't recall seeing any designs of equipment that looked like this. The part of her lair he witnessed was only the intensely, unsightly, macabre body parts and hanging displayed flesh for study and experiment. Siren's lair that Arthur saw resembled more of a mad scientist's lab than some sort of secret spy gadget factory. Arthur then hoped, when he next saw her, that he could see any other technology she was working on. Or at least, if he could get a suit like this for himself. Arthur momentarily pictured himself completely invisible, standing in the middle of a room filled with vampires for him to attack, without them ever even knowing he was there. Delphur caught sight of Arthur's leering face, and he laughed. Don't start getting creative, kid. These are built only for the shadow class. No crimsons will ever fill their oddly comfy embrace, he snickered. Arthur blinked and looked up at Delphar, who was smiling at him playfully. Arthur pulled a disappointed face as Kratos rejoined the conversation. So these suits can function to reflect light somehow, he asked in speculation. Delphar's head tilted from side to side, unsure if he should explain the technicalities. Kind of. They're not exactly the finished article, he admitted, rubbing the back of his head. Siren sent a small batch of these over for field testing. She wants a full report of how they function, feel, and react. It'll be fun to type up later, Delphar finished with a loathsome mumble. Kratos nodded thoughtfully as though he was familiar with this technology, and his eyes were connecting the dots. So they can't work everywhere, he muttered back, no longer even looking at Delphar. His friend nodded, frowning uncomfortably as Kratos studied him like a museum display. They don't function properly near water. Something about the water vapor in the air, as well as being touched by water itself, seems to throw the suit off. Though, Siren said she's in no rush to fix that. Kratos felt it was his time to smirk, and he raised a condescending eyebrow at Delphur. Probably, because she doesn't want you using it to spy on any of our showering rooms, he said playfully. Arthur couldn't help but blush at even the thought of such a thing. He then struggled to stifle a cheeky smile as he looked at Delphur to see his face. However, much to Arthur's surprise, 
Delphur acted very nonchalant about what Kratos had just challenged him with. Delphur simply waved a dismissive hand. That would be pointless use for them anyway, he returned to Kratos, chuckling casually. Arthur frowned. He knew he was young, but even he understood the context of what Kratos had suggested. Delphur saw Arthur's confusion and faced him. Our washing rooms are co-ed, Delphur explained to Arthur. Although, Arthur was sure that Delphur didn't know that he had no idea what the term meant. However, not wishing to seem stupid, Arthur nodded back at Delphur, saying nothing else. Anyway, Kratos cut in sharply, steering the conversation back to the realms of civility. Before we head on inside, one more question, if you please, Delphur, Kratos announced formally, as though he was addressing nobility. Delphur frowned uneasily at Kratos' change in tone, but he nodded for him to continue. Kratos smiled wryly and stared closely at Delphur. Arthur looked around the area and made sure there was nothing else around them. That one attack, making him uneasy standing out in the open, as though another could happen at any moment. Arthur suddenly wished this conversation was happening indoors. Well, as thoroughly enlightening as all this has been, Kratos began, Arthur noticing as he spoke, a small vein started to throb on the side of his mentor's head. Kratos breathed in carefully before continuing. I think the more pressing issue here, exactly, would be... Kratos paused for a moment to make sure he had Delphur's full attention. Why the hell did you attack us, Delphur? Kratos roared with the raw, unrelenting power of a collapsing star. Delphur winced insatiably at Kratos' assault on his eardrums. Arthur along with the other werewolves surrounding them, couldn't help but feel the pain sting from the sheer might of Kratos' vocal cords. Arthur then wondered if his teacher had exceptional vocal strength over the average werewolf. Arthur believed that with his untransformed lungs, his mentor's bellow could rival the roars of a fully transformed werewolf. The throbbing vein on the side of Kratos' head was much more prominent from Arthur's viewpoint now. Arthur looked at Delphur, who now resembled the disposition of a student being yelled at by a teacher. It oddly reminded Arthur, his old math teacher, Mr. Rexon. He would be able to holler at a disrespectful student so thoroughly that any bravery they thought they possessed would melt into a boiled puddle in seconds. Arthur then recalled Delphur mentioning back when Kratos questioned why they had those morph suits, that he was higher than Kratos in some sort of werewolf hierarchy. Yet here his teacher was, bellowing down at his supposed superior, successfully. Delphur coughed uncomfortably and avoided Kratos's gaze. He mustered an uncomfortable smirk and nodded. Yeah, seemed funnier in the moment, I suppose. Delphur mumbled. Kratos simply stared at his friend, waiting for him to continue. Delphur then shrugged. Well, I saw the message you sent from that safe house about the plane crash. 
And I thought I'd make my way to this entrance to give you a proper greeting, he finished coyly. Zilfer then looked up at Kratos with a childish smile. At first, Kratos maintained the death glare he was pointing, before he finally rolled his eyes and chuckled. There was a worse greeting than the time we were on that mission in Egypt a few years ago, Kratos replied warmly. Zilfer then laughed loudly. Oh yeah, those mercenaries in that museum ambushed us with flamethrowers. The other werewolves then began to laugh along with Dilfer after he said that. Arthur looked around again, confused at how the moon had shifted so suddenly from surprise and Kratos' rage to camaraderie. Arthur looked at Kratos, and he no longer saw any sign of anger. The throbbing vein was gone and Kratos now simply looked at Dilfer no differently than he had when they were drinking merrily together at a werewolf bar. Kratos laughed again. That was certainly not the time for us to have changed into our werewolf forms, was it? He asked, only for Dilfer's eyes to widen intensely with remembrance. Oh, the smell. People think regular burnt hair is bad, but werewolf fur is something else, Dilfer lorded waving a hand over his nose. Arthur couldn't help but laugh now, along with the others. Silver saw Arthur join in, and he narrowed his eyes. You'll know soon enough when you start your training, kid, he warned cheekily, making Arthur's smile drop suddenly. What do you mean? Does my training involve being set on fire or something? He asked, agely. Silver chuckled darkly now. Kratos turned his head to Arthur, bearing a similar patronizing smirk for Arthur to be surrounded by. I think Blaine has been pushing for that test to be added to the curriculum for eight years now, Delfer chuckled to himself. Not quite, Arthur, Kratos began, ignoring Delfer's comment. He and Delfer then shared a brief look before returning to face him. However, Delfer began excitedly. When me and Kratos were new cubs starting our training, I remember the higher-ups putting us through all kinds of different initiations. You're in for some scary nights, kid. Arthur studied Delfer's face, for any signs of joking or messing with him. But the man's expression didn't break in the slightest. Arthur then snapped his head to Kratos for any kind of alternative explanation. His mentor simply continued smiling at Arthur and he shrugged his shoulders in compliance. Arthur's mind immediately descended into a cavalcade of multiple scenes of werewolves, forcing Arthur to do something demeaning and dangerous. From him having to eat live rabbits, to carrying round buckets of who knows what on his head, while being chased by dogs. Kratos and Delfer then shared another look as they saw Arthur retreat into his head becoming lost in hysterical anxiety at their words. They shared a private chuckle and returned to speaking to each other, seeing no rush to let Arthur know they were kidding. Well, despite your attempted murder, it is good to see you, old friend. We've had quite a troublesome journey since we last met, Kratos said formally. The immediate euphoria of meeting his friend after the attack was starting to fade. Current events had resurfaced at the forefront of Kratos' mind, darkening his mood. 
Arthur saw Delphar react to Kratos' expression, and his own look, altered in kind. I've seen some reports for the territorial area. There have been some rather troubling accidents that human travel organizations are reporting. I'm guessing you might have been caught in that, Delphar asked kindly. There was a brief pause between the two of them, before Kratos nodded solemnly. Yes, I'll make my separate report about that. After I get Arthur properly settled, Kratos responded. However, shortly after that, a more substantial incident occurred that I have to report to Cyrus immediately. His eyes were focused intently on Delphur. What could have possibly happened that is that bad? Delphur asked seriously, a small hint of fear in his voice as he saw Kratos' expression harden. Kratos breathed heavily and did not break eye contact with his friend. Arthur and I were attacked by a very dangerous opponent, he answered, as Dilfer's eyes widened fearfully. Arthur came back into the moment after he heard Kratos mention the attack. He looked up at Dilfer's face to the two blonde werewolves when Kratos told them about their attack. Another moment passed before Delphur snapped his head to Arthur, his expression serious and firm. Arthur had a feeling that playtime was over. Arthur, Delphur asked seriously, give me and Kratos a moment, please. We'll catch up later. Arthur did not argue. He had a feeling that Delphur was being as understanding in his order as he felt he could be. Arthur simply nodded his head and he then walked away from the pair as they began to exchange private words. Arthur knew if he focused his hearing, his werewolf ears could pick up on what they were saying, but he refused to betray their trust so casually. Arthur approached the other group of werewolves as Kratos and Delphur spoke. Two blonde werewolves and the two others that were in the attack were chatting in a small circle a few meters away. There was still the one man, was lying unconscious, and Arthur had not seen anyone go check on him yet. This made Arthur hope that it was a sign he knew they were okay. He felt a guilty pang as he looked on at the man, and he wanted to help, even though he had no idea how he would do so. As he approached, the men nodded at him as he came closer, a small sign that his presence was welcome for him to join. As Arthur came within range, he heard part of their conversation. So, I heard this year at the Eclipse Festival, Cyrus is going to bring back the Colosseum, one of them said confidently. Following that statement, one of the werewolves in the black morph suits to Arthur's left immediately shook his head, with Delphur being the only one in the group to have taken off his head cover. It looked like three people were standing next to third-dimensional shadows. No chance, the bodysuit werewolf said back, his voice deep and curt as he spoke. He sounded to Arthur like someone who had taken a cheese grater to his throat. Arthur wondered what face would match such a voice, but his face was still covered by the suit. We have the cages and the pits now. We don't need the Colosseum anymore. I don't see why Cyrus would even think on it. The others seemed to nod along with him but the blonde werewolf who spoke before was unconvinced. I heard this from a bunch of betas, 
Cyrus wants you to make this year's festival the biggest we've ever had. Apparently, recruitment is an all-time high, and Cyrus wants to welcome all the new cubs with a bang. He countered only for the others in the circle to all face Arthur, who could only smile, meekly, back at them. You two fought a bloody hunter, Arthur heard Delphur screech. All the men, including Arthur himself, turned and looked at the pair. As Arthur continued watching, those in the group slowly moved their heads back and looked at Arthur again. Arthur looked back himself and saw the werewolf staring at him, but this time it wasn't in mild amusement. They now looked at Arthur with abject disbelief. Arthur knew that they all knew about the hunters, but they also equally knew that pretty much any werewolf that crosses their path dies. Yet, here was a fresh new cub that they had just heard had run into a hunter and survived. Arthur stared at them uneasily. Their looks made him beyond uncomfortable, and he had no idea what to say. Lucky for him, Kratos came to his aid, patting Arthur's left shoulder after walking up to the group. Arthur, it's time to go, he stated calmly, as though he was remarking mildly on the weather. Arthur looked back at his teacher, who smiled neutrally back at him. He wondered if Kratos was trying to prevent an onslaught of questions from being fired at him. Arthur just nodded his compliance back at his mentor and turned away from the group, walking closely beside Kratos as the two blonde werewolves exchanged goodbyes with the morpsuit werewolves, following along after the pair. Dilfer nodded at Arthur and Kratos as he walked past them, relaying orders to the other werewolves. Right, flea bags, Dilfer bellowed, sounding like a drill sergeant from war movies Arthur had watched when he was little. We need to get these suits back to the labs and write up the data we collected. Also, someone pick up Carl. We need to get him to the infirmary and then draw on his face in permanent marker before he wakes up, he continued. Arthur didn't look back. He heard the other werewolves laugh at that final remark. Then, he heard them shuffle along shortly before the only sounds left to Arthur's ears were the footsteps of his original group in the wasteland once again. However, now they were not walking far. All four stood still and breathed for a moment. Arthur wondered if they were recovering from the attack by Delphur's squad. However, they simply stood there and did nothing. He wanted to comment, to ask why they stopped moving. He didn't sense any more invisible assailants around them. Kratos looked to the left, then the right. After that, he nodded at both the blonde werewolves, who then stood next to Arthur rigidly. A pair of them took out a strange, dark, gray-colored key from their pockets and knelt a few meters apart from each other. They brushed the dirt off the ground, revealing a metal keyhole in the earth itself. Arthur watched silently, fascinated. To him, this seemed a lot more complicated than Siren's hatch opening into her lair. They put the keys inside the openings at the same time, and then they paused. It was like the sound of metal parts clunking against each other, accompanied by odd static sounded buzzing. Kratos was standing next to Arthur, equally silent, 
watching. Arthur looked up and saw Kratos' stoic face, bearing the expression of a man who had seen this a hundred times already. The two men then looked at each other and nodded, turned the key at the same time. Several loud clicks went off within the bowels of the earth beneath them. It started with a small series of clicks, going off fast, like a vast chattering. Then as the clicks went louder, they were far more spaced apart, turning into loud metal hammerings, like a blacksmith smacking his anvil. The thundering was almost shaking the ground on which they stood. Arthur looked around as this occurred, uncertain and slightly scared of what was about to happen. He looked at Kratos, whose face was still passive, which calmed Arthur somewhat. The two men then pulled their keys out of the locks and placed them back in their pockets, standing up and taking a few steps backward. They stood by Arthur and Kratos and waited silently. The clicking sound then came to a sudden stop. A second of silence went by. The ground in front of them began to stumble and shudder like a sudden tremor. The dirt ground beneath Arthur was coming apart before his eyes. A large circle indent appeared before them within the dirt on the ground. Arthur then heard a mechanical sound of movement halting still. Now, before the four of them, was a solid gray metal platform. The three men stepped on the platform casually, as though stepping on a bus they had been waiting for. Arthur, however, could only look at the entire contraption with awe. His mind was aflame with questions. He wondered how was this thing hidden in the ground, with the dirt surrounding it. He was then equally baffled at how much security was behind it. Before, Arthur had thought Siren had too much security, but he felt this was nearly science fiction levels. He knew the werewolves were careful about vampires attacking them, but he had no idea how or when the werewolves could have possibly constructed all of this. Before nightfall hits, Arthur, Kratos muttered sarcastically, snapping Arthur's attention back into the moment. Arthur looked at the four men who were staring at him, waiting for him to follow after them. He coughed, embarrassed, and he then stepped onto the platform quickly. Before he could say or do anything after his second foot touched the metal, the platform began to sink slowly into the earth. The two circle halves closed above them as they sank. Arthur's descent into the wolf kingdom had begun. And this, my darling, ends our story time for today. We will resume chapter two next time. As always, I hope that you have very sweet and creepy dreams. <laughs>